Hello, everyone, and welcome to our bonus episode. I'm Ansley. And I'm Brittany. And you're listening to our first Patreon bonus episode. And what this means is that the other half of this episode will be on our Patreon feed. So we will have that link available in our show notes if you are on Apple Podcasts and if you're on Spotify. I'm not sure about all the other ones. Yeah, this is just for you guys to get a taste of what our Patreon... I was about to say our podcast episodes. Nope, I'm lying. Our Patreon episodes, what they're going to be like. They're inherently different, really, from our regular episodes because Ansley and I are not writing these stories. Our homegirl, Lauren, is writing the stories. Lauren! So, and we we told you guys in a previous episode that Lauren is writing some stories for us, and we were... Sh- did, we, did we say that in an episode, or was that in the discussion group? I think it was in the discussion group, but okay. I might have said it in an episode, but... I don't know. That's my bad. Anyway, we have a really great listener who is helping us like with researching and writing stories and the ones that she writes are going to be on our Patreon. So she's also in the legal field. So she has some previous legal writing. So we're really excited to learn more about her and the way that she writes and use it for our Patreon episodes. Thanks, Lauren. Yes, I'm so excited. And it's, I don't know, I just feel like it's, it's so interesting to tell a story that someone else wrote, you know? Yeah, it is. Like, I don't know. It feels funny, but but I like it because I really like the one that she picked and she went in on the storytelling. And, so. you know, she's a Georgia local. So for yes. our Georgia local listeners, um, you're going to you might know some of these stories. You might. You might know the one I'm about to tell you. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Who okay, guys, join the Patreon in the show notes. But other than that, let's get started. Boom. Okay. This is a story of Fred Tokers and Lauren put together a little, um, like a one sentence summary of this story. So I'm just going to read that to you real quick. It's prosecutor turned shady defense attorney turned murderer turned star witness for prosecution. And this, <laughs> that is all over the place. I don't I, even know what to say. No. So when I first read it, I was like, what is she talking about? And then when I like was going through the story, I was like, wait a second. Nope, that's right. Yep, that's a good summary. I was like, that's exactly what happened. So that's hilarious. Yeah. So this is a local case from Cobb County, Georgia. Yep. Represent. Not in a good way. Ansley and I have spent some time there. (laughs) Okay. So Fred Tokers grew up in Amherst, New York, an affluent suburb of Buffalo. It was during high school in the late 60s when he first met Sarah Ambrusco. The two later became more acquainted in 1984 while they were both living separate lives in Atlanta. At the time, Fred was a prosecutor in Atlanta and Sarah was a marketing director for Club Elan. And Lauren left a little note and she said that this is now called the Mansion Elan and it's on Claremont Road. So I don't know if anybody has been there. That's where we should have had the meetup. Bummer. Okay, next time. Next time, guys. It's fine. We'll do it. It'll be great. It's going to be a great time. At the time, Fred was acting as a junior assistant prosecutor on a highly publicized trial where an attorney and his lover were murdered in Atlanta, which I'm like, okay, I want to hear that story. Also, Yeah, I know. <laughs> that one sounds so interesting. Sarah caught a glimpse of Tokers on the news and decided to call him. It wasn't long after the phone call that the two started seeing each other. 
In July of 1985, less than a year of dating, the two were married. Sarah's sister, Gretchen, is quoted saying, We all thought she would have waited, gotten to know him longer, but at 32, she was rushed into starting a family. Which, that's nonsense. You don't have to start a family at a certain age, y'all. Do you? Live your life. Exactly. There's no time limit. Just be like T.I. and live your life. That is T.I., right? Did I just get that wrong? Just live your life. Hey! It'll be okay. It's fine. It's all fine. This is not like criminal where she like has everything perfectly scripted. So I know. God, I'm Phoebe Judge. (laughs) And this is criminal. (laughs) Okay. The couple lived in an affluent Cobb County neighborhood. And in 1986, the couple's first son, Ricky, was born. And two years later, their son, Michael, was born. After Ricky was born, Sarah wanted to quit her job and stay at home to care for Ricky. Fred immediately shot this idea down. Sarah, being the peacemaker that she was, went to working half days at the office and bringing home the remainder of her work to do from home. So I was like, that's flexible. I wish I had that. But by this time, the Atlanta nightclub industry was seeing a huge decline. Drinking and driving laws were getting stiffer, which is like great. And two for one happy hours were outlawed, which is like not great, but you know. Yeah, not, I mean, what am I going to do on my lunch break now? Exactly. I mean, come on. Two for one marks, please. But this decline led to Sarah losing her job and allowing her to be the housewife that she wanted to be. So silver lining for Sarah. She wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. She got to do it. Same, girl. I'm not even a mom. (laughs) I'm a dog and cat mom. I was about to say, stay-at-home pet mom. Here I am. That's a dream. From the beginning, Sarah's family noticed that Fred was not very attentive to his wife. He often was not home for dinner and was always working late. And despite her husband not being very caring or around much, Sarah's family reports that she seemed that she was pretty happy. So I guess it was like she would put on a front for her family because I feel like you can't truly be happy if that's the life you're living on social media and like showing the bad stuff too. In 1986, shortly after Sarah lost her job, Fred left his job as a prosecutor and went into private practice as a criminal defense attorney. Shout out to me because that's what I want to be and would later expand his practice to include tax fraud and divorce cases, which is not what I want to do. I, I want was going to say divorce away. cases, no. Far, far, far away from me. <laughs> Stay away. But this is when things started to really go south. The pair were no longer sharing a bed. Sarah shared a room with her boys, and she spent time with the boys while Fred was always working and traveling. When Fred started his private practice, the financial pressure intensified. There was a new baby to care for. Sarah's $40,000 income was no longer coming in and their house needed repairs. So it's just like everything is happening at once. And I'm sure he was probably working all the time. So I can see how that might put pressure on their marriage. Yeah. Not only was he working all the time, but he was traveling for work all the time. Yeah, exactly. I can see that. So no bueno. Yeah. Sarah also grew concerned that the cash money that Fred was taken from clients as payment was tainted since he represented clients facing drug dealing charges and things like that, which, you know, is always a possibility. That's true. And he also began insisting that all of their bills be paid in cash, which I just think is weird. That's really strange. I mean, well, most people don't even take cash for their to pay bills anymore. Right. But they then normally can you just imagine? take like a check or a money order. How much of a pain in the ass would that be to go pay bills with cash? And to go to the bank all the time. Yeah. No, not fun. Don't like it. 
Wouldn't do it. Red flag. <laughs> Lots of them throughout this, just so you're prepared for all of the red flags. So many red flags. At this point, Sarah was put on a budget. <laughs> rude. So rude. And was no longer allowed to have her own checking account or credit card. Red freaking flag. And listen to this. You want to know what her budget was? The budget that she was put on was $400, and that included paying all of the household bills. Rude. So depending I can see on if you're trying to save money. Right. But and like you need to put yourself on a budget. I get that. I understand that. I'm for that. You do your thing. But for control purposes, no. No. Right. Red flag. And, and everyone will find out exactly where all that other money went to later. So, I mean, maybe that budget ended up being $100 because I don't know how much their household bills were, but depending on how much it was, like maybe her budget was under $100. That's true. It depends on, like you said, what she was paying for and how much it was. I don't really get putting someone on a budget. I think that sounds so like cold and harsh. Like that doesn't sound like a, I don't know, like Casey and I could not put each other on a budget. You know what I mean? And even though even though I don't have a job because I'm in law school full-time, well, like during the school year, since I'm a full-time student in law school, I'm not making any money, but like Casey's not putting me on a budget. I just like try to not spend a whole bunch of money all the time, you know? And Sarah didn't have a job either, but she was a stay-at-home mom, which is a job in itself. Some people are made for it and some others aren't. I mean, it just depends on the person. (laughs) I am not. (laughs) But like you said, it was Sarah's... Like you said, it was Sarah's dream to be a stay-at-home mom. Exactly. I just, but that still doesn't that still doesn't constitute as putting her on a budget. I mean, like yeah. you said, it's it's a job within itself. I just feel like him putting her on a budget was really discounting everything that she was probably doing as a stay-at-home mom. You know what I mean? Like to me, yeah. that's what the budget thing seems like. No, I know. I know. Hindsight is twenty twenty. We know there's some murder that happened in this situation. So we might be looking at it with a different view and it might have just been like, hey, he put her on a budget because they were running low on money or they lost that $40,000. You know what I mean? So I could see that way of it. Yeah. But the, the way, I think the way that it's worded or the way that we hear it is more of like, oh, he put her on a budget. He's he's being controlling. Right. So it just depends on how you look at it and how how it really was. I don't know. Tangent yeah. done. Sorry. <laughs> I was just we thinking keep, out loud. We keep going off on them, but it's okay. It's our podcast. We do what we want. It's fine. So like I said, she was put on the budget and this included paying all of the household bills. And Fred balked at the idea of making any home repairs or buying any furniture that they needed. So that makes me feel like he really was being controlling. And I want to know what these home repairs are. Like, does your toilet not work? Because if it doesn't work and you aren't going to repair it, there's a problem. But I can see if like, okay, we have a crappy ceiling fan. Right. And maybe it makes some noise at night. But buying could furniture? Yeah. There's always two sides to the story. Maybe I'm being too much of a devil's advocate, but... I think you are. (laughs) I know. What has gotten into me? I don't know. You're like, maybe, maybe he's a great guy. You know? Maybe he's just misunderstood. Yeah. I don't know. I tend to give some people the benefit of the doubt when I shouldn't. And I think that this is one of those instances. It's okay. That's that's a good quality to have as long as you're like safe about it, you know? Yeah. I run a murder podcast, so I guess I'm <laughs> safe about it. 
<laughs> so with all that being said, Sarah was at Fred's mercy, basically. He even began objecting to her visiting her close-knit family. Okay, red flag. I'm done being his advocate. Thank now. you. I'm done. I throw <laughs> in the towel and I'm done. We finally got there. Okay. He refused to give her money to travel to Florida where they lived. And his control even escalated to physical abuse. So, bye, Fred. You're canceled. You suck. Bye. <laughs> Eventually, Sarah found small ways to rebel against Fred and was able to obtain credit cards in her name, which she would use when he refused to give her money, which is awful that she even had to do that. Exactly. How is she paying those back, I wonder? That's a great question. I don't know. Maybe she, maybe she just kept racking up the the charges and I don't know. I don't know what she was doing. <laughs> okay. Carry on. In 1988, shortly after giving birth to her second son, Michael, Sarah wrote a two paged will leaving everything to her two boys and naming her sister, Karen as their guardian. That was a really good idea on her part. So good. Always do that. Yes. Even, Always. I mean, it, it sucks that she even thought that something might happen to her, but the fact that like, she was smart about it and she knew that like maybe like I mean she can't control everything so what if something were to happen to her she wouldn't want she, any of her things to go to her awful husband exactly I feel like she had to like you know when people say if I ever go missing or if I, if I ever am found dead like it was my husband you know yeah I feel like she probably had those feelings and that's why she did that because I oh, don't yeah. know why else out of the blue she would just leave everything to her to her sons and name her sister as their guardian if she wasn't afraid of him. Yeah, exactly. So, horrible way to live, but I don't know. That's she what was I smart get about it. Exactly. She did, she did what she needed to do. By 1989, Sarah had her suspicions that Fred was cheating on her. So that also, well, no, that couldn't have contributed to it because she wrote the will in 88 and not, 89 is when she... Had suspicions. Was, yeah, exactly. She hired Ralph Perdomo, a PI, to follow Fred. During Perdomo's investigation, he found that Fred was seeing a single woman regularly. Red flag. Just all of them. After being confronted with evidence of him cheating, Fred agreed to seek marriage counseling. So he's trying. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. Don't even say it, but he is trying. Yeah. Anybody who tries like that and goes to marriage counseling, I want to believe is trying to do better. But we know in this case, because we know the ending, he's not. Yeah. Once Sarah had evidence that Fred was cheating, she considered divorce, but was advised by an attorney that there was no guarantee that she would get full custody of her boys. Which I'm like, why not? I know. Is it, That's a hard game to play. That's yeah. a hard game to play. Ugh. So after hearing this, Sarah decided not to go through with the divorce. And her sister Gretchen stated in an article, quote, all Sarah ever wanted was to take care of the boys and make sure they were okay. You know what I love about, like, everything that you've talked about so far? What? She seems to be the best mom, like, the best mom. Right. Like she wanted to be at home with her kids. She wanted to be a, like, she wanted to take care of them if anything were to happen to her. And she also didn't get a divorce because she didn't want to be without them. Exactly. So 
Ugh, I hate that. Yeah, me too. Like, she seems like she was a wonderful person. Perdomo says that Sarah and Perdomo is the PI. So in case anybody forgot that in the, like, two minutes that I hadn't said it. Uh, that she wanted to collect any and everything she could so that she could walk away from the marriage and Fred would not be able to touch her. She even told Perdomo that if anything were to happen to her, she wanted him to tell the police all her suspicions. I really hope he did. Well, we'll find out. (laughs) During this time, Sarah secretly duplicated some damning documents she found locked away in Fred's safe in his home office, all of which involved shady business dealings. Now, I don't know if you watch Veronica Mars. I don't. Oh, my gosh. But I ha- you have to watch it. I've been watching it because it's on Hulu now. And that is like Veronica Mars stuff right there. And I know you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you watch it, you would agree. Veronica Mars is like a P.I. badass. I'm going to have so to watch it. You definitely have to. You would love it. It's okay. got Kristen, Kristen Bell in it. And I'm obsessed with her. Okay, so. I'm, I'm probably going to go watch it after this. Yes. And, okay. I was going to say some more, but let's just keep going. Because <laughs> I'm keep just going to... Keep it rolling, Brittany. Keep I'm it gonna, rolling. I'm going to go down a Veronica Mars rabbit hole if I don't stop. To this day, no one is sure about what exactly was in those documents. But it's speculated that it had to do with money laundering that Fred was a part of. Are we surprised? Oh, Fred. I'm not surprised. We shouldn't be. Eventually, Fred knew that Sarah was catching on to his shady business dealings, and he was worried that she would rat him out, leave, and take all of his assets. Fred took out life insurance on Sarah. Please hold. Totaling $1.75 million, naming himself as the primary beneficiary. So she was now worth more dead than alive to him. That is horrible. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Sarah, Fred, and the children spent... Oh, well, actually, I should probably announce what this part is. So this is getting more to the murder now. So prepare yourself. Buckle up, buttercup. Yeah. Sarah, Fred, and the children spent Thanksgiving of 1992 with her family in Bradenton, Florida. Sarah and the boys left for Florida two days before Thanksgiving and they stopped on the way to pick Fred up at the Tampa airport. On Saturday, around 1.30 in the morning, the security company that monitored the Toker's home called, telling them that the fire alarm had gone off in their home, but that there was no fire. So, suspicious. Six hours later, a second alarm went off. And the, and, they're in Florida, right? I know, but... Are you talking about where they are right now? Yeah, yes, they're, they're visiting yeah. Florida. Okay. Exactly, yes, for Thanksgiving, they're in Florida. Yeah, to see her family. So nobody knows who eventually had the alarm disabled, but Fred says that it was not him. Later that morning, Fred left for Atlanta and Sarah and the children stayed behind. By 11 a.m., Fred was back in Cobb County and he called Eddie Lawrence. Eddie Lawrence was a client of his and partner in a mortgage company and small construction firm. Lawrence reports that Tokers called to tell him the water heater at the house was broken and asked if he could repair it, and Lawrence told him that he couldn't. The following day, after lunch, Sarah and the boys headed back for Atlanta. Fifteen minutes after they left, Fred called John Ambrusco, that's Sarah's father, and asked what time he could expect them home. John said 9.30 or 10 o'clock. 
Within the next hour, Fred called Lawrence a second time, telling him he got the water heater fixed and that he was leaving town for Montgomery, where he had an appointment with a federal inmate. He's creating an alibi. Girl, don't you know it? And I really didn't even know it, but you got to think about it. When someone tells someone information that is really irrelevant to anything that's going on, like, why did he feel the need to call him and tell him where he was going? That's an alibi. We all right. know it. Every exactly. Our listeners know it. They know. Y'all know. They're detectives. Y'all, y'all are experts. Sarah's father waited and waited for the call that he always got when his daughter arrived home. But this call never came. Her father stated in an interview that they decided to call her, but the phone was busy. They waited and tried again, and the phone was still busy. The telephone company later told them that this was because the phone had been taken off the hook. And that's where we're going to stop. This is the first. No! (laughs) And I want to continue. (laughs) No, this is part one. And if you guys want to hear part two of this bonus Patreon episode, head on over to the Patreon. We are going to link it in the show notes. So head there to find out exactly what happened. And you can also go to our website at www.truecrimegirltimepodcast.com. There's a tab that says Patreon and the link will be on that tab. We'll see you guys on our Patreon. Bye!